Welcome back. Glad to have you. We continue on. The Bill Michael Show brought to you by our friends at Epoxy Flooring Done Right. Get a hold of Sean and the gang at EpoxyFlooringDoneRight.com. That is EpoxyFlooringDoneRight.com. Good stuff uh, there. And uh, you can see the uh, the epoxy flooring coating that I've had put down at my house, which is absolutely fantastic. So there you go. Um, let's do this. Uh, let's, uh, let's go back into the direction of the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. A- Andy Herman of the Packer Day Podcast. Uh, joining us uh, on the hotline. Andy, how you been, pal? Hey, doing great. Thanks so much for having me as always, Bill. So I, I want to go back to um, what you had said. Uh, you tweeted out that you went through all these uh, plays when the, the Packers were over in London. Give me your assessment of what you're seeing. Oh, man, that's a loaded question. We could go in a million different directions. Right. Uh, I think I'll start off by by saying I, I think they're playing an extremely uncomplimentary brand of football right now. I think we all sort of expected there to be a formula for this Packers team to have success that included, you know, a sound, solid defense, a offense that was going to be probably a bit more ball control that we than we're used to, certainly featuring Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and a special teams that hopefully was just not an unmitigated nightmare like we've seen over the past handful of seasons. And I think we saw glimpses of that through the first month of the season, and when things were going well, we certainly saw the, the running backs get going. We saw the defense had the ability to get off the field, get some three and outs. But we've also seen when this defense is not at its best and not doing the things that they're capable of doing, at, whether it's Bailey Zappi or Daniel Jones at quarterback, um, that they can struggle. And I thought this was a very vanilla defense. They brought a couple blitzes. I know they brought some five-man uh, fronts like Matt LaFleur mentioned, but um, they're doing a lot of the same things over and over. And I think they're getting pretty predictable on defense. On offense, uh, they're not featuring Aaron Jones, and that seems to happen basically since Aaron Jones became a Green Bay Packer, where it seems like this team just finds ways to forget that he uh, is available to them at times. I think Aaron Rodgers clearly needs to play better. Uh, The defense needs to get off the field so the offense can have the ball more than three times in the second half. The offense can't go three and out when the defense is entirely gassed. And we could probably go in a million different directions, Bill, but like I said, this is probably the most uncomplimentary game of football that you can possibly imagine for an offense and a defense that need each other if they want to actually be a successful team. Okay, let's uh, let's start defensively speaking with what you discussed. So is Joe Barry, and I, I said this when you talk about vanilla or soft or whatever you want to call it, uh, there's not a lot of creativity. You're playing off the ball. It seems like when they get a lead, they just kind of sit back and wait for teams to – you know, just not get over the top, but they'll take up chunk yards on them and such. We saw the th- third and 13 where they're playing 14 to 15 yards off the ball and then backpedaling at the snap. I, you know, is this a Joe Barry defense that's just not going to have an aggressiveness to it? So far, I mean, clearly, this has been a very unaggressive defense through five weeks of the season. I think something's definitely going to have to change. Listen, I think the idea of wanting to play an umbrella defense, two safeties high, play your corners off, come up and tackle, not give up big plays, make the team have to go, the opposing team have to go 12 plays, 80 yards to score touchdowns, hope that your red zone defense is going to hold them to field goals when they do get drives, and hopefully that they just make a ton of mistakes on their way down the field. Like, as an overarching philosophy, this isn't something that's not, uh, like, that is new or indifferent into what is going on through the remainder of the league. This is very in vogue at the moment. So I get it, and, and I think every defense needs to start with something from a philosophical standpoint that they can work with and I get it I don't always love it but I understand what they're they're doing that being said um, you also have to have a couple things in mind a you can't just do the same thing over and over and expect to have results I don't care if your fast miles 100 or fastball is 102 miles per hour uh, you need to throw a change up in a curveball a great example of this uh, Packers show double a gap blitz 
against Daniel Jones, and the, the Giants have a QB sneak called. And if they give Green Bay any credit for actually bringing that double A-gap blitz, they have to get out of that call or call a timeout because it has 0% chance of success. The Giants basically know that they're not actually going to bring those linebackers because they've abandoned that blitz all season long and they get those linebackers out of there, which opens up that huge void in the middle of the field. Daniel Jones gets the draw. He goes up and gets a first down and just wasn't giving Joe Barry any credit for actually blitzing on the play. Um, So I think having a a little bit of a change of pace from here and there is going to make things less predictable and less easy to game plan for for opposing offenses. Then I think the other thing is, you clearly have to know down and distance and game situation. So another example of this, your base the Giants basically on like the 50-ish yard line and it's second and 19 and they're getting into, you know, starting to get into Green Bay territory. And on the left side of the field, you've got a wide receiver that they brought up from the practice squad this week versus Jair Alexander, the highest paid corner in football. And Jair's playing 12 yards off and the wide receiver just takes a, a quick little, uh, you know, dig route and the, you know, Jones, throws the ball there. Jair kind of takes a poor route and it ends up being a 12 yard gain with no challenge to it whatsoever. And they get off the field on the next play, which is great. Your, your sort of philosophy worked. Um, but because you gave up that 12, 13 yards on that play that you basically gave to them, um, they get a field goal out of it instead of maybe getting them off the field without points. And again, this is a practice squad receiver versus Jair Alexander. So that they have to change things up. They have to be more aggressive and they have to know situational football. The uh, the linebackers, I know Matt LaFleur alluded to the fact that, well, you know, some of this is pre-snap stuff, some of this is confusion, some of this is guys not in the proper position at the right time when the ball is snapped. Uh, to me, Devondre Campbell and company, this is the kind of their job to get guys in place. So is it as easy to say, no, it's not Joe, it is more so guys just aren't ready? I, I thought p- kind of it was passing the buck a little bit uh, and taking away the criticism from Joe Barry when he gave us that answer. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm sure there's a piece of it, right, where, like, yeah, you want to get lined up and uh, get ready to go on time. I thought there were a couple instances of that in the game that kind of cost Green Bay of just not being in a position to succeed when the ball was snapped. But um, I think that's a piece of the equation and certainly not the full equation. Listen, I think it's everything. I think it's all the things that we just discussed from a, a coaching standpoint and a scheme standpoint. I think you have a lot of players right now on defense. Uh, certainly Devondre Campbell at linebacker is one of those. I think Razul Douglas is another, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, even Adrian Amos to some extent, who are probably not playing up to their expectations. And if you want to like talk to either players or coaching, um, one of the things I always look at from a coaching standpoint, and this goes for not just coordinators and head coaches, but positional coaches as well. You look at this team as a whole, how many players, if, if we set proper expectations for, you know, the players going into the season, how many players are exceeding those expectations for Green Bay right now? Maybe Romeo Dobbs, fourth-round draft pick, I think maybe coming out a little bit stronger than we expected. Um, I think Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary are off to really nice starts, but those are sort of expected in and of themselves because they're both phenomenal players. Outside of that, it's really tough to pinpoint anyone that you can point to and say, man, they are just playing way above what I expected. And a lot of players aren't even playing at the level that was expected. And to me, whether that you, you know, you want to point to the players, or you want to point to the coaches not getting the most out of their players. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, um, but it's just not good enough through five weeks so far. So let's go to the offensive side and the, the lack of Aaron Jones participation. You know, are we talking about play? I mean, I don't know if we'll ever really know, but are we talking about strictly play calling here? Are we talking about, uh, as everybody assumes, is the appeasement of the quarterback or the quarterback checking out of the run plays? I know Aaron Rodgers said, hey, I'm not the one calling the plays, but I like the play call, you know, that type of thing. What, What do you think it is? 
Yeah, so I think it, it's partially that they're checking out of, you know, you know, run play, what they call run solutions, where the box is, is stacked and you're trying to get into a play that's going to be more beneficial for your offense. And in theory, I think that's a really good thing. I think you want to be able to have solutions baked into your offense so that if the defense is showing and, you know, tipping their hand and, you know, Listen, Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal with his cadence and getting defenses to tip their hands so that he can go to the direction of the field that's going to be the best mismatch for you. I think in theory, that works well. And again, as a core philosophy and tenet of your team, that's great. However, um, it, it can't be at the expense of, you know, getting Aaron Jones the football. That player has to touch the ball, you know, 18 to 20 times per game. And however you want to do that, whether that's part of your run solutions, handing the ball off, or just saying, hey, this is going to be a run to Aaron Jones, and I don't care if they've got eight or nine guys in the box. We just need to get him the football. Um, I don't care what capacity that's in, but I think there has to be a, a way to do that in a better way, regardless of what the defense is showing, because I think one of the things you don't want to get into is letting the defense dictate to you of what they want you to do. Um, I think, you know, if you've got Devontae Adams outside in a one-on-one and you can take advantage of that man situation at a high percentage, that's great. Uh, but they don't have that player. They don't have that cheat code on the outside. They've got a bunch of rookies and some veterans who don't get off press very well. So they have to change their philosophy a little bit there. And again, just have a, a better mentality for making sure that the player that is going to get them in the best positions is getting the football. And right now that's Aaron Jones and it just doesn't happen consistently enough. Offensive line, uh, give me your thoughts on Elton Jenkins as a as a tackle versus a guard. So I think he's a guard as a player overall, and I think it's certainly, you know, I think T.J. Lang tweeted this as well, like, you know, give him a lot of credit for playing out at tackle. I will say this was by far and away his best game so far uh, in uh, this past week against the Giants. I thought the last two weeks he he did really great in run blocking. I thought the first uh, you know first couple games he played for, from a pass pro standpoint were really really tough. You could tell there was a lot of rust uh, to get off. And I think it's also worth noting. I think it was somewhere around like 33 plays at right tackle in his entire career prior to this season. So not only coming off of an ACL, but very minimal snaps at right tackle as well. Uh, so I think he's working off some of the rust, and I think he's learning the new position. Um, I actually came out of this game. That was one of my you know, good takeaways from this game. There weren't very many of them, uh, but he looked much more like himself at right tackle. Now, part of that is you're going against a rookie in Kayvon Thibodeau that didn't exactly know how to attack him quite as much as a veteran would, um, You know, kind of fake outside and go inside and set him up a little bit better. Uh, but still, overall, pass pro was much better this week. Run blocking was once again great for the second straight week. And I think there are at least signs that, okay, maybe this could potentially work. I think the bigger question is do you really want Royce Newman out there and is is uh, uh, Yash Nyman a better opportunity at right tackle with Elton moving into right guard so uh, a lot of questions still to be answered there as well um, I want to talk about the wide receiving you mentioned uh, the veterans that don't get off very well you've got young guys that are trying to get the job done uh, I have not and we talked about this earlier today when you see guys defensive coordinators that give you all-out blitz, that they come after you, they go single-high coverage. I mean, all that stuff. That was stuff you never did to a Packers offense. And now they can do it almost at will to say it doesn't matter because you don't have anybody. I mean, do you get that sense that defensive coordinators looking at it going, yeah, you got Aaron Rodgers, but the guy's catching a ball from him, yeah, you really don't have. Yeah, I go back to the the year where Jordy Nelson tore his ACL. I remember it clear as day. Uh, the Rams were at Lambeau. The Rams were huge underdogs on the day. And again, they they just had kind of James Jones on the outside and and uh, not a lot of guys that could burn on the outside. And I they, I'm in the north end zone in that game. And Rodney McLeod is you know deep as a single high safety. And it was early in the game, and I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. What the heck are the Rams doing? You can't play single high safety against Aaron Rodgers. He's going to crush you all game long. 
and the outside wide receivers with no Jordy Nelson couldn't get off press. And uh, the Rams made that a very interesting game and almost came away with a win. Green Bay kind of got away with one late. And then that was sort of the blueprint for the remainder of that season because Green Bay didn't have receivers that could make them pay down the field. And that sort of lived on for a little while until Adams really became great. Uh, that, hey, if, if they don't have receivers that can get off press, you press man, go single high, bring an extra guy in the box, make sure they can't run. And Rogers, that, that's sort of Rogers' kryptonite through the years. And we're seeing a lot of that through the last, you know, course of the last three, four weeks, um, especially in the second half of games where teams are going press man on the outside and saying, hey, we're going to make these younger or less fast wide receivers uh, beat us man to man on the outside. We're going to be super physical. Maybe they hit on one or two, but we think we can make them really inefficient in the time being. And that's certainly what's happened so far. And until Green Bay comes up with a great solution to beat them and hits on some of those deep passes, it's going to get, be really difficult for you know to get teams out of that look. So it's something that Green Bay is going to have to have a better plan for because I guarantee you we're going to start seeing more and more of it. I'm talking with Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find him at Andy Herman NFL over on Twitter. Before I let you go, uh, the one positive, I guess, if we can talk about it consistently, has been special teams. Uh, Mason Crosby doesn't matter the length. It's, he's 6-for-6 six six in the season. Coverage has not been bad. The return game leaves a lot to be desired. Do you think that Amari Rodgers gets replaced by Kylan Hill once he does come off uh, of the uh, the injured list and we see then Amari Because Amari Rodgers right now to this point really doesn't have a lot of value to the Green Bay Packers. No, he doesn't. I mean, like they got to the point this week where he literally had one job left, right? Because they took kick return away from him and gave it to Christian Watson. He was not involved in the game plan. He played one snap at wide receiver, actually got one route this week. Um, Usually it's just been in the kneel downs. Um, But like he's literally down to one job as punt returner. And now he's put the ball on the ground for the second time this season through five games already. So you can't exactly trust him there either. Um, I didn't see it. I'd have to go back and look at it. I usually don't take a look too deep into the special teams tape to be transparent. Um, But I believe on the, the, um, in the game tape, they said that Keyshawn Nixon was back to return the punt on the last punt of the game before uh, the safety return. Um, So it it seems kind of like they were already going away from him with Watson at kick returner and Nixon at punt returner. Now, whether what they do this week, especially with Watson being banged up remains to be seen as far as Kylan Hill, I think that's going to be an interesting one because he he's coming back from a torn ACL and he tore that ACL as a kick returner. Do you want to immediately just put him back at returner and say, and you know, this is how you tore your ACL last time, but go back and, you know, get him again. But uh, we'll see. I think they maybe would take it a little bit more cautiously with Kylan, maybe start him at running back first, but I would expect to see more Watson at kick returner if he's healthy and they, they need to find a better solution at punt returner because as you mentioned, Amari is just not it right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Andy, appreciate it as always. Love following his stuff, and we'll keep watching, okay? I appreciate it, Bill. Have a good one. You too, buddy. There you go. Andy Herman, uh, Pack-A-Day Podcast, at Andy Herman NFL. You can find his stuff at Andy Herman NFL. Good point uh, on the defense that, you know, it's just a combination of things, but the bottom line is it's it's it looks relatively soft. It looks relatively vanilla, whatever you want to call it, and it looks as if teams are looking at it going, no, you're not. You you can fake it. You can talk about it. You can yell stuff, but no, you're not. You're not. You're not doing anything to be proactive and or aggressive. You're kind of sitting back and waiting for the game to come to you. And in certain circumstances, as Matt Lafleur put it uh, during during some of the cuts that you heard a little bit earlier, in some of those cuts, you're right. He's right. You know, there are times to kind of sit back and let the game come to you. But uh, at times, man, you just want to see them become aggressive. I think everybody's waiting for. You see these other defenses you know, come off the edge and come up the gut and doing different things. And, yeah, there's some teams that we've seen, you know, take chances. You leave the middle wide open and 
suddenly you don't have a linebacker back there and you see a big play go across the middle and then up the sideline 20 30 yards you get burned but the crossing route has been something that other teams have pretty much taken advantage of the entire season i don't see that changing anytime soon um so why not take a few chances and possibly maybe getting uh pressure either up the gut or pressure from the outside or you know there's plenty of different ways to do it and matt lafleur is right is it just a matter of blitz are you talking about exotic blitzes are you bringing a safety you bring in a corner you you know what what are you doing and the exotic blitzes when you dial them up pardon the pun that you have to pick your poison because exotic blitzes can leave you really really vulnerable especially against good quarterbacks with good outside personnel um let's do this we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break come back got a lot more to get to still yet today hang in there more of the bill michael show it's coming up right after this covering wisconsin sports like a blanket this is the bill michael show on the wisconsin sports zone radio network back this portion of the program brought to you by our friends in new male medical treating guys with ed all over the state of wisconsin also also helping out guys with low t low t treatment so uh if you got low t going on you got ed or maybe the all-in-one weight loss program there's plenty of things they can help you with everything from lifestyle changes supplements vitamins you know, whatever you need, they can help you out with. Uh, and it doesn't take long to stop in and get your numbers checked. It's uh, it's pretty easy, actually. But you can't do anything if you don't call. 414-455-4451. Again, 414-455-4451. Again, 414-455-4451. That's the New Mail Medical Center. Just give them a buzz. Tell them we sent you. Okay? Um, this came out today, ESPN. I know uh, TMZ has it. Uh, the saga that uh, continues to get deeper and deeper. Now, Brett Favre has come out and said that he has, quote, done nothing wrong and has been smeared in the media in response to his involvement in the sprawling welfare investigation in Mississippi. He said, quote, I have been unjustly smeared in the media. I have done nothing wrong, and it is past time to set the record straight. He said, no one ever told me, and I did not know, that the funds designated for welfare, uh, welfare recipients were going to the university or me. I tried to help my alma mater, uh, Southern Miss, a public Mississippi State University, raise funds for a wellness center. My goal was and always will be to improve the athletic facilities at my university. Uh, according to the Mississippi State Audit, $77 million in temporary assistance for needy families, TANF, were diverted from the poorest people, in America's poorest state towards rich and powerful Mississippians. Six people have now been arrested, five of whom have pleaded guilty. Favre has not been criminally charged, but is a defendant in a civil lawsuit filed by the state. Uh, Southern Miss received $5 million in that money, transferred from the Department of Human Services to a nonprofit and, a vent- and eventually to Southern Miss's Athletic Foundation. So it went from the human services, then they sent it to a nonprofit, and then that's key because what the belief is is that they're sending it to a nonprofit to make it look like a charity, and then it was taken out of the charity and then sent over to the athletic foundation. Okay, 
Text messages show that Favre pushed for funding for the volleyball facility when his daughter was on the team. Now, state agencies provided the funds to Nancy News Charity, the Mississippi Community Education Center, which then turned around and gave the funds to the university. They say it was all with the full knowledge of the approval of other state agencies, including the Statewide Institute for Higher Learning, the governor's office, and the attorney general. The governor's office is key here because, remember, the governor, in his text messages back and forth with Favre, when he tried to prove that he had no knowledge of this, he was adamant in texting Favre back saying, no, that's illegal. We can't do that. Okay? Um... Favre says, I was told that the legal work to in- I was told that the legal work to ensure that these funds could uh, be accepted by the university was done by state attorneys and state employees. Favre was also paid 1.1 million of these funds for speeches the auditor says Favre never made. He eventually paid back the money, but he is being sued also by the state for $228,000 in interest. Now Favre's attorney said that he never got paid for a quote no-show appearance. He said anybody who has claimed otherwise doesn't know the true facts. He also said that he got paid for doing every radio spot that was requested. Now, I don't know what Brett Favre's fee is for radio spots, but if it's $1.1 million, I am woefully underpaid. I'm not Brett Favre, but come on. Um, now, the audit also uh, says that Prevacus, a company developing the concussion uh, drug in which Favre is a top investor and a stockholder in, also received funds. You see where I'm going? It's like all these charities that Favre's a part of were getting money. Um, <clears throat> now, according to the text messages, Favre asked New, that's the, the charity, uh, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? Now, this um, this uh, Nancy New has since pleaded guilty to fraud. Favre continued to press state officials for money, even after being told by then-Governor Phil Bryant that misusing these public funds is illegal, and text messages show that. The nonprofit agreed to a sublease with the university's athletic foundation and a multi-purpose wellness center on the university campus, which state auditors said Shad White has told ESPN that was an attempt to legally substantiate the use of the funds because it was illegal to use them for that, that place to begin with. So in other words, hey, if you allow us to also be a part of this, then we can really legitimize using the funds for this. Otherwise, it's illegal. So after the fact, when uh, the stuff started to roll downhill, that's what they tried to do. Uh, New was on the Athletic Foundation board at the time. In this case, what happened was, okay, well, if the lease of this volleyball court using TANF funds, the way we'll justify it is the court will be used as sort of a wellness center for the community. So, in other words, the funds were used improperly, and if it comes down to where we're in trouble, we'll say that the court, uh, the new court that was built, will be used for, you know, pain and suffering, so to speak. John Davis, who ran the Department of Human Services, also pleaded guilty to conspiring to fraud the state. Hines uh, County uh, District Attorney Jody Owens has declined to comment on Favre, but has told ESPN that the state and the federal investigators are looking and continuing to investigate the case. So... 
it's it's not a whole lot new here, but the fact that Brett Favre has now addressed it and has said, look, I didn't do this, and I didn't know about this, and had I known, I never would have taken it. But the text messages to not only the distributor of the funds, but also to the governor who's telling him, we can't do this, it's illegal, and the governor has not been charged. The former governor has not been charged because they were citing him for the possibility of indictment as well, and he has not been charged. Once he started to reveal all of his messages, it somewhat, at least to this point, became evident that he really was, he wasn't in the know. And he was telling Favre and others, we can't do this. This is illegal. This is the illegal use of funds. And federally, we can be investigated. So Favre knew, at least according to those text messages, was told we can't do this. And then certainly in saying, you know, hey, the media is not going to find out about this and where it came from and how much, right? Well, if you don't have anything to hide, why would you worry about if the media found out about it? Unless you're doing what you believe to be something noble to say, hey, I want to get this donated. I don't want anybody to know where it came from. I just want to make sure that they're taken care of. I don't need any of the hoopla. Okay. Uh, I can, uh, a philanthropic act? Okay. You can maybe play that card. I don't know if people are going to believe it or not. After the uh, governor's telling you that's illegal, but it is what it is. So the question is now, you know, for Farb to say that it's the media smearing him, I don't know. It's, it is picking and choosing certain, certain text messages, but that's all anybody has to go on at this point. But we shall see. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and do so. But uh, just an interesting story that's going to continue, and I don't see it ending anytime soon, to be honest with you. And, um, look, if you've got a prosecutor, uh, whether it be state or federal, that is interested in getting their name in the paper and they believe that Favre was a part of this and was knowingly a part of this, I can't help but think in going into elections that Favre will be sitting in the crosshairs. Whether or not he gets indicted for it, I don't know. But others are now pleading guilty and cooperating. And if they say that Favre knew, Favre was a part of it, Favre was pressing us hard, if they say he knew, it's not going to bode well. But you make up your own mind. <coughs> Excuse me. 877-867-1670. Good stuff there. I just wanted to get it out there because it's something that not only Ben, I know Ben brought it up to me, but others were talking about. And I didn't want to ignore it because then it seems like I'm trying in some way, shape, or form to be the you know the hometown person and not talk negatively about Favre. I'm just throwing out there the story that was written. That's about the extent of it. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Dwayne's Cover It All. Up in Wausau, our good buddy Dwayne, Wisconsin's best canvas and upholstery and boat cover provider, whether it's maybe new office furniture to be recovered, whether it's something in your home to be recovered, gym equipment, you name it, he can do it. Follow them on Facebook. Go to Dwayne's, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne's Cover It All.com. That is Dwayne's Cover It All.com. Or call them direct, 715-870-2119. 715-870-2119. That is Dwayne's Cover It All.com. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Our 
Our friends at JL Tire, they're out there uh, just at the Johnson Creek exit off of 94, just north of 94. You can see the Goodyear sign right there. They do everything from tires, brakes, oil changes. They do it on, uh, you know, SUVs, small cars, minivans, all the way up to tractor trailers. Uh, they do all kinds of tractor trailer repair as well. So whether you're an over-the-road driver, soccer mom, salesperson, whatever it happens to be, whatever it is you need, go to jnltire.com, jnltire.com. And again, right there at the Johnson Creek exit, just north of 94, and that's the people that I trust with my vehicle. doesn't matter the car, whether it's, uh, whether it's the Genesis or it's the truck or whatever it happens to be. Uh, I go to JNL Tire for everything. Uh, the trailer as well. They took care of the trailer and the boat, for that matter, and the boat. So they took care of everything this year. New tires, packed the bearings, uh, you name it. Oil changes, worked on the air conditioning unit, uh, everything. So check out our friends at JNL Tire and Lyle and his staff. Not only can you trust them, but they do a lot of work and donate a lot of time and money to the community as well. So they're just genuinely, genuinely good people. Good, good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free to go ahead and do so. So after the Brett Favre story, Ben, do you believe Favre knew what was going on? To be completely honest, yes. Or at least he actively didn't try to figure out, which therefore hints at some basic knowledge. I don't know mm-hmm. to the extent of how much he knew. My so sense in other is, words, what you're saying is willful blindness. Yes, uh, which also includes some some base knowledge which tells you enough that he knew something was wrong that's my outside perspective i don't know as as more and more comes out like he's saying it's the media smearing him and he did nothing wrong I, he did something wrong i just don't know how wrong it was i um i i if you know Favre, Favre is pretty savvy when it comes to certain things um I Favre could just talk to somebody and next thing you know, they're sponsorship wise throwing money at him. And especially if they're going to become his friend or something, people do things for different reasons. But uh, Favre also is uh, unbelievably smart at football in certain things. And then other areas, it's just kind of good old country boy goofiness. So I don't know what to believe, but I think I'm going to need more than just the one text messages saying, are you sure? Uh, it certainly looks bad. I, I That I agree with. For anybody that says, oh, no, I didn't know anything, it, it certainly looks bad because you're asking to say, I don't want anybody to find out about this. And I don't. I can't, you know, the media is not going to find out. Nobody's going to find out how much. He never says, because I don't want to get into trouble. That's not what the text says. So that's the only thing that I could say that, um, you know, maybe – kind of saves his own ass but he was told that it would be illegal so when he asks if you were to pay me is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much the term pay me is right there you know it doesn't say donate it doesn't say you know if you were to give the money to the the problem is it says if you were to pay me and that's what that's where the the belief is that yeah you knew what you were getting you knew that it was illegal you knew you didn't want anybody to find out about it cuz like i said if this were hey if you would make the donation i don't want anybody to know about the amount or where it came from 
So you're doing it nobly. You're doing it philanthropically. You're trying to raise money for something that, you know, you believe in. Okay. If you were to donate that money, if you were to give them that money, okay, I can understand that. If that's the way the sentence was laid out. But it says, if you were to pay me, is there any way? And that's where it really becomes hard to believe that he didn't know anything. Because that, that's his words, his texts. So that's that's the only area that I look at it and I go, ah, man, uh, I don't know. And then you then you got the text from the governor that came out um, earlier this month or really at the end of last month. And, uh, you know, it's it, those were pretty indicative of the governor saying, no, this is illegal. We can't do this. So that would have at least been the salvo over the bow that says what what this would be, what you're asking for is illegal. So there would be some type of knowledge. Bruce says, it sounds like you're asking for more of Brett's text messages. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> I don't want any pictures, Bruce. I don't want any pictures. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know. Um, and again, there's many different scenarios that could possibly pop up. But the whole thing about, you know, the speech stuff, being paid for no-show speeches, um, you know, I, I guess if he, if he was charging $100,000 to voice a radio ad, maybe he does 10 of them, okay. Maybe there's a million bucks. But if you didn't do anything wrong, then why are you giving the money back? If you could show invoice for, you know what I mean, Ben? I mean, if you if you would say, no, here's the 10 commercials that I did. Here was what was agreed upon. This is what they paid me. I, I didn't do anything wrong. You would you would produce that. You wouldn't give the money back. Yeah, you there know? was there was also a, something that came out about the charity and how a lot of the money that went into his charity was also going to other yes. things related to Southern Miss. So it's not only well, just the yeah. volleyball stadium. I don't know. There's so much there. I am right. as time goes on, I'm starting more to err on the side of okay. I think this guy did a lot wrong. Right. Now, uh, that I'll agree with. He talked, that did that whole expose on the charities, the uh, Deanna Favre Foundation and the Brett Favre Forward, uh, uh, Forward Foundation. One combining both of them, one was supposed to go to breast cancer research and the other one was supposed to go to uh, children in need and children with cancer. And they combined both of those eventually. And then a good portion of that money that was raised ended up going to Southern Miss as well, um, of which Favre, uh, the response, and I haven't seen an official response, but I know there are people that handle the charity for them uh, because I've dealt with uh, Deanna's uh, charity before and doing some stuff with Deanna, and it's always, well, get a hold of her, get a hold of her, get not Deanna, but get a hold of the girl that runs it. She's the one that does everything. So maybe in some way, shape, or form, they were able to, they're able to deflect that misuse of money I would hope they wouldn't do that, but you know, you never know. But uh, but yeah, that that became damning as well because it certainly seemed like to me, it certainly seemed like there was this intent and quest to get money for and distribute it to Southern Miss. It didn't matter how, through charities, through welfare, through whatever they were going to get this done. That's what it kind of seemed like, and that I'll agree with you. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, uh, do so. Again, 
1670. But uh, that's kind of where things are today as the story came out on uh, ESPN a little while ago uh, about all of this, where Brett has finally made a statement through his attorney saying that this is completely wrong and I've been smeared by the media. And you kind of knew that was coming. You, you knew that was coming. But right now, in Brett's world, there's not a whole lot of people touching him. Uh, I know Copperfit has dropped his commercials. They haven't canceled his contract, but they've dropped the commercials for the time being. Uh, his local radio show in Wisconsin, his, his uh, Sirius XM radio show, has been canceled as well. Others that uh, were considering him for commercial possibilities, those have dried up and gone away. So um, I'm sure through all of this, not only the you know the humility of it, but also losing money along the way. Um, you know, eh, rough day right now for Brett Favre, and whether or not he made this mess himself, we'll wait and see. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hang in there. Final segment of the Bill Michael Show coming up. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are back at practice tomorrow after returning from their 27-22 loss to the Giants in London. Aaron Rodgers asked, how far away are the Packers from playing a complete game through four quarters? Oh, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough question. Uh, the cliche answer would be really close, but the actual answer is uh, unknown, honestly. Uh, this team is, you know, we're five weeks in. And there's a lot of football left. Can't squander any more games like this, though, because uh, the NFC is going to be pretty tough. What does the Packers' defense need to work on? Matt LaFleur. There's a lot that we need to clean up. Number one is I just think the urgency to get get lined up and get ready to play because just going back and watching it in tape, there were moments when we got other crossing routes that we were all over. And we have a hard time, you know, taking those crossing routes and we're get when we get beat. Now the Packers' next opponent is the New York Jets, celebrating a 40-17 to win over the Dolphins and a winning record of 3-2. and They finished 4-13 and last year. Head coach Robert Sala, who was the best man at Matt LaFleur's wedding, and what the Jets have been able to accomplish so far this season. What we've accomplished is, is winning three games out of 17. You put it in the back shelf and you just keep on moving. We got a big one with uh, Green Bay and we're going to have a big one the next week and the big one after that. And, and the ability to, to compartmentalize or to push, you know, enjoy the win until noon on, which was today, noon today, and then move on right to Green Bay in terms of taking care of your body and preparing yourself the way you need to. Uh, that's what championship teams do. That's Jets head coach Robert Sala. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Still plenty of time creep in towards the winter months, but uh, Great Lakes Dragway open up in Union Grove, Wisconsin. They're still running. They're still running. And uh, all you got to do is go to Great Lakes Dragway to check it out. Great Lakes Dragway. Plus, uh, the 2023 season passes are coming out. A lot of different events already on the books, but uh, check out GreatLakesDragway.com. That's GreatLakesDragway.com down in Union Grove, Wisconsin. And it's just a fun place. Really fun place to go. Hey, we didn't talk about this yesterday, and I made to make made to make a, meant to make a mention of it. Uh, senior Ava, uh, senior Ava Matz. Uh, does that name ring a bell, Ben? No. She is the quarterback. Was the quarterback as fans packed the stands for Pewaukee High School's homecoming and senior night, and she changed the game. Ava took the first snap of the game at starting quarterback. Uh, 
and uh, she was the female quarterback for the Pewaukee Pirates. I don't know if I told you that or not. I don't believe you did. Yeah, that's cool. She's kind of blazing her own trail and inspiring others along the way. And but uh, Ava took the first snap under center at the homecoming game, and as a senior, and uh, has you know enjoyed the sport and worked her tail off. So I uh, wanted to give her recognition because that's 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 quite the accomplishment to be able to. And and the crowd was going crazy when she did when she was out there. So uh, kudos to her. Good stuff. Um, what else do we have here for you as we go to get get ready to get out of here? Um, this one's from this is from Dan. Dan says, uh, "Hey, you're in a great show today. Uh, I think Favre knew exactly what he was doing. He's not a stupid man. He is kind of a country bumpkin, but 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 not stupid at all. I think he was trying to twist some arms using his fame to get money for the university. He can't pay it himself. The family has milked him dry. And that's from Dan." See, I don't know what he does and doesn't have. How do you know that, Dan? How do you know that? Uh, let's go back to the phones real quick. Uh, let's go to Eric listening to us in Green Bay. Eric, how you doing today, man? What's up? How's it going, Bill? Okay, this is going to be good. real quick, man. I, I hope you're doing well. Um, uh, now, as far as Brett Farr goes, I'm just going to say birds of a feather flock together. He sounds just like his spray-on tan going MAGA cult leader. Have a good day. Okay. What the hell did he say, Ben? He sounds like it or I sound like it? Favre, I believe. Favre sounds like what it. what he okay. was referring to when it comes to the media. Okay. okay. The MAGA cult leader. Who's that? He's referring. Oh, is that a, is, is that a Trump thing? It is. Okay. That was my understanding. Okay. Oh, uh, God. What, so, at what point does Trump become irrelevant? And I don't want to talk politics. I'm just talking just in general. At what point does that just, you know, that kind of division kind of go away, I guess? I don't know. Phil's are up 6-1, you know, so. Yeah, I was going to say. I, You know, it's like it, it's, it's, you know, if you're a... If you're a Democrat, it's it's horrible to, be, horrible to be called a liberal. And if you're a Republican, it's horrible to be called a Trump follower. And it's just like name-calling. It's like, holy mackerel. Good God. Because uh, I see it all the time on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. You get kind of frustrated. That's why I try to stay the hell out of politics. Uh, but, yeah, Philly's up 6-1 to one over Atlanta. Bottom of the fourth. So you got to be excited. Mark Schofield is going to be joining us tomorrow on the program. So we'll be talking with him. And Peter Bukowski tomorrow. And he is the one that put it out there a little bit earlier today uh, and uh, people kind of going after him. But uh, but Peter, I give him credit because there's nothing really wrong that he stated. Uh, and yet people are kind of going after him, you know. So he said, uh, you know, credit to Matt LaFleur and such. But, you know, when you start to, you know, say these things and you get into the analytical side and you kind of look at things and say this is what it is uh i get it people people get upset people get upset so he uh he puts it out there basically saying this this looks like a a team where the quarterback had made some issues and they're kissing some butt and doing certain things and it doesn't look like a team that's all together 
And so now we'll see. See what else his thoughts are. <laughs> Just, I'm kind of flipping through because I'm I'm looking at his stuff and it's like wow. There's a there's a lot there. And people are just trying to pile on and go after him. But you know what? I think it's fair. And we'll talk about it coming up tomorrow. He had some, he had some things to say about the Packers. We'll get into that. So that'll do it. Good day today. Certainly appreciate everybody hanging out with us. And uh, the Phillies up 6-1, to one, bottom of the fourth right now. So Ben Kenny happy at the moment. We'll talk about that tomorrow, I'm sure. Don't forget, tomorrow night, we're going to be down at the uh, Mecca Sports Bar and Grill in the Deer District, 6 to 8. Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by Bud Light. Looking forward to that, too. Until then, until we talk again tomorrow, have a going. Hoop! The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.